I hear cr- there are crickets. All- hey, guys. Hey, everybody. <laughs> hey. Welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast with me, Cece. Me, Alex. And me, James. And here we are. Another week, another episode. Yep. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. How about you guys? I'm doing pretty good. Fabulous. I'm, I'm getting pumped up for the It movie. <laughs> so this weekend I'm going to watch It. <sighs> and James is terrified of... Clowns? Yeah. Clowns. Ooh. No thanks. I think I might see it. <laughs> Alex, stop. I don't know. I don't know. I might see it. I might <laughs> I not. Say, like... <laughs> Some of the things that scare you surprise me. I am scared of everything. That's just who I am. It's built into my DNA. It's so I survive. <laughs> and Alex is not scared of anything. Not a lot. No, there's not a lot. There could be like an earthquake going on. He'd just be standing there, be like, "Well, it's, it's going to end in a just, second." Like, just go outside. Yeah, <laughs> just go outside. Just go outside, Cece. Get out of here. <laughs> Yep, that's probably exactly how it will go. Anyways, uh, you guys, has anything exciting happened in your life before we start talking about what we're here to talk about, which is subliminal messages this week? Uh, the biggest thing is these ants. Ants? They keep attacking our house. Oh, yeah, uh. we've got lots of ants. They haven't been in our house. They've just been giant ant hills outside of our but house. But they're slowly mm. moving closer and yeah. closer yeah. to the house. They're getting closer and closer and closer. And so we've been having to... We've been having mm. to take care of things. Yeah. If you know what I mean, James. Yeah. Let the bodies hit the You floor. guys should look into uh, parasitic flies. Parasitic flies? Yeah, there are flies that uh, can infect whole colonies and destroy them. Ooh. Well, yeah. James, are those flies going to do anything to destroy my house? No. No, they're, <laughs> they're, they're utterly harmless. They're basically like John Carpenter's The Thing if you're an ant. And they're harmless if you're not. So, yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh my gosh, James. Yeah. That's so dark savage and scary. For you. You're that such a the, lover of everything. Yeah, that's the thing is, you know, if you got to get rid of them, you know, do it the the way that doesn't hurt other things. Use the thing. That's a good, you, yeah, <laughs> use the thing. We've just been using, we've been boiling water and throwing some soap in it. Ah. Yeah, that's what somebody told us to do. It worked. Yeah, I mean, it kills them. Holy it worked, but it also killed our lawn. Coffee grounds works too. It's like meth for ants. Ooh. Really? I don't know if I want, you know. Yeah. They'll, they'll even take you to the queen and she'll OD. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is this is taking a dark turn, you guys. Uh, James, has any? do you have any exciting mm. life materials that you want to talk about? Uh, not really. It's been a, a lazy week. I've, I've been very lazy and I've been playing a lot of Subnautica. <laughs> I'm going to pretend like I know what that is. But, you know, sometimes mm. having a lazy week is just what you need. Good for the soul. True. This isn't happy Agreed. regardless. This isn't it. happy regardless, but you know what? <laughs> We're doing well there. Alex, do you have an icebreaker for us? I don't. <laughs> well, then. James it... always comes up with one better than I do, so let's let James do it. Yeah, you know, okay. he hates being put uh, on the spot. I like putting him on the spot. Yeah. Because he's bad mouth. <laughs> you know what? The... <laughs> when did I <laughs> Um, uh, you know what, uh, how about, since I, I mentioned that I'm afraid of clowns, how about we discuss phobias? What are you guys afraid of? So you want me to tell everybody what I'm afraid of so that they can use it against me in the future? Well, we don't, we didn't record a whole (laughs) nother podcast for that. 
Oh, yeah. Man. Okay. Well, what's your what's your strangest phobia? How's that? Your most oh, irrational. Yeah, oh, I've got lots of them. Are you serious? Um, oh my gosh. Fish. Fish. What? I what? love I love fish, but have you ever just stopped and looked at a fish? <laughs> they are creepy is- <laughs> looking. So you have ichthyophobia. Wow. Since ichthyophobia. when? Since when? Yeah. Since a long time. I feel time. like you're lying to no, us. No, I'm not lying to you. You used to <laughs> love to get fish at the apartment. Back when we had the apartment. Okay, goldfish are cute. Susanna Bandana was cute. But the fish that you see at, like, the aquarium, just stop and look at them. Look at them in the eyes. You like going there, though. I do like going to the aquarium. So then, I don't know if you have a fear of them then, right? I've had bad dreams about being eaten by fish. Yeah. Okay, I'm done talking about yeah, you fish. you not like Subnautica. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex, why don't you go ahead? You do yours. He looks upset, James. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm trying to think. His fear is being put on the spot. No, mm. I guess I don't care for spiders. I'm not scared of them. I just don't like You're them. You're not scared of them. Mm. But you catch and release if you find a spider. You know, I used to be, when I was little, I was afraid of the dark sometimes because I was afraid of Xenomorph from the movie Aliens. Was the uh, yeah, yeah that makes perfect sense. I'm, I'm still, I still sometimes will check under the bed just to make sure there's no Xenomorphs under there. <laughs> so James, I could actually see you looking under the bed. Yeah, I'm only half joking. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, James? Um, probably my weirdest one is, you know, thankfully I've found a, a dentist that's cool and plays good normal music and the recycled air smells not as bad, which we're going to I'm going to get into smells later in regards to memory for this episode, Ooh. so a little bit of a a teaser there. But yeah, just the the recycled air and the elevator music reminds me of the dentist and i get super super irrationally afraid around that so yeah the dentist definitely the dentist is a good answer i had a horror Mm. horror story with my last dentist trip it was it was rough like i've never been afraid of the dentist but this woman that i had made me afraid to go to the dentist Uh. it was the most painful teeth cleaning i've ever had but anyways Mm. um do you guys want to talk about subliminal messages? I guess we can go to Yeah. <laughs> okay, you guys. On this week's episode of the 13th Floor, you guessed it. We're talking about <laughs> subliminal messages. <laughs> so Alex is going to kick us off today. He's talking about subliminal messages and advertising. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to look up the definition of subliminal, right? Yes. Uh, And the best definition was existing or functioning below the threshold of consciousness. But my favorite definition is from uh, the book called Basics of Advertising. Ooh. (laughs) And it's it's, uh, the definition is subliminal messages are small pieces of embedded information that are undetected by the viewer or listener. They achieve this by passing below the normal limits of perception Communicating with the subconscious mind in this way is believed to be able to negatively or positively influence subsequent thoughts, behaviors, actions. I really mis- misspelt behaviors, and it's really throwing me off. <laughs> behaviors, actions, attitudes, beliefs, or value systems. And the whole reason we're even, we might even be doing subliminal messages today is because of this guy named James Vick- Vickery. 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 Mm. And he is the creator of subliminal advertising. 
And this really wasn't that far back, which is what kind of surprised me. Me too, actually. I thought it would have gone a lot further back. I could see it being used like by the Nazis or something like that. But it doesn't go that far back. At least not, not, it wasn't given a name until then, in my opinion. I guess. But everyone seems to say that uh, subliminal messaging started in 1957. So James Vickery was this marketing I would say scientist, but he's just he was, he was this marketing guy who claimed that during a showing of a movie, he placed the words "drink Coca Cola" and in another frame, "eat popcorn" for one three hundredth of a second during a movie, mm-hmm. and that by doing this, the theater received a fifty-seven and a half percent sales increase for popcorn and an eighteen point one percent increase. In Coca-Cola sales. Wow. That's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. No, no it's not. And it caused quite a commotion. I mean, people kind of got panicked about it a little bit. You know, being able to manipulate people so easy is absolutely horrifying, especially yeah. back then. Yeah. You know, and so other scientists tried, but no one was able to replicate his results. And Vickery stuck to his guns and said, you know, he really did the study. Everything's right about it. And that was... Uh, at least until 1962, when he came clean during an interview that it was all fake. <laughs> and he actually faked it because it was a way to drum up business for his failing marketing firm. Wow. And yeah, <laughs> and from a lie, subliminal messages were born. That is something <laughs> else. Isn't that wild? Very. Yeah, all to get some business for his failing marketing firm. So... Now, we know subliminal messaging is actually used quite a bit. Yeah. Now, I think a lot of people associate subliminal messaging with nefarious things. Well, when I think of it, I think about what I'm going to be talking about, which is backmasking, where it's like something is played backwards. And it's got a hidden and meaning. And it's got a hidden meaning that like gets in your brain. Oh. But that's what I think of when I think of subliminal messages or like the flashing, like the, the single frame embedded in a commercial or something. Yeah. But I, there are probably other types of it, right? Oh, yeah. There are. And I, I actually, I've always associated subliminal messaging kind of with nefarious things. Same. Even though I knew, like, it, it, it's in other things. But unsurprisingly, it's used in ads. But the strangest thing, I guess, is political ads. But I guess maybe that makes the most sense of all of them, right? Nefarious. Right. Nefarious. <laughs> so... We're going to work on this. We're going to go backwards on this one. We're going to go with the more controversial one, and then we're going to work away with some fun ones. Uh, so <laughs> during the 2000 election between Bush and Gore, there was a uh, campaign ad that was run by Bush. Hmm. The ad is about 30 seconds long, but still somehow managed to cost the presidential candidate $2.5 million. So this ad campaign was a big deal for him. Uh, so what happened? I mean, this $2.5 million campaign was supposed to really like turn the tide for him and it was scrapped almost immediately well he was running the ad for several days when finally at home someone noticed the word rat appeared on the screen for like one frame mm-hmm. and it was like a fractions of a second and then like wildfire the news spread that bush was using the ad to insinuate that gore was a rat bum, bum, bum. was it like Democrats, but dem- like you can only see the rats part. It was in this case. It was I thought it was bureaucrats. It is. Oh, okay. It is bureaucrat. Uh, and essentially, the message is is that Al Gore, Gore is a bureaucrat, and so nothing gets done. 
is what the exactly. message was saying. Okay. Yeah. Now I've I've watched the ad and the rat does appear and it's it's very clear as well. So it doesn't surprise me that this ad ran just for a little bit before being caught. But the interesting thing is it looks like it could very possibly be on purpose, hmm. but also it could very possibly be on accident. So what happens in the ad is like the screen cuts black and just before several written words in white appear, they kind of, they zoom in from like the top left corner. Like the words kind of fall down from the top left of the screen Mm -hmm. into it. And when they do that, it's very quick because this is a 30 second ad. It's very fast. But the one thing you see is the rats portion of bureaucrats. It's like the one clear thing that you see. And so... You know, people are thinking that they're insinuating that Democrats are rats. And, well, the thing got pulled very quickly. Uh, now, Bush obviously said, no, he didn't mean to do it. But this was in the midst of him just days before on a hot mic. He was talking and he called a reporter a major league a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> on, a, on a hot mic. And so this is just a few days later. And they're, they're not going to... He doesn't need any. He's losing certain battleground states, and so they pulled it immediately. But this little possible mistake or purposeful subliminal message cost him two and a half million dollars. It's a bit of money. It's kind of clever. I mean, if it was on purpose, but I kind of lean towards it being an accident. What do you all think? I don't know. I'd have to see it. I have to see it before I can yeah, decide. So, hmm. oh, fair I I absolutely think it was intentional. I, I could see. I it. mean, I I don't even. Yeah, I, I re- this is one where I'm like, it really could be intentional. I mean, because it is just a few frames, but it's very clear. I mean, yeah. it's it, especially if you're looking for it like I was, but it's it's really clear. So, you know, I'm sure subliminal messages have been used plenty since then in political ads, but more importantly, they've been used in some really fun <laughs> corporate ads, actually. So I'm going to go through a couple. I want you all to tell me. If you've seen these before. Okay, I'm ready. Do you all know the one in Baskin Robbins? No, but I know that you said there was something mm. in Baskin Robbins that I should know about. It's human meat. Human is it, meat? It's in the ice cream. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No. The, have you all ever looked at the back half of the B and the front half of the R and the BR? No. It's a 31. It's a 31? For their 31 flavors. Oh, yeah. look it up. I wouldn't call it subliminal so much as I call is. it just creative, really. Hmm. According to the definition of subliminal, it is. Well, yeah, that's true. I guess you pick up on it without picking up on it. Hmm. Right, because I never picked up on it. <laughs> <laughs> so it passed my test. Oh, yeah, see? I see it. I see you know, it. It's a 31. Them. No, oh, I didn't. See it, subliminal messaging. 31 uh, flavors. Is there Baskin Robbins, I feel like every time I go there, I always get like an ice chip in my ice cream. Is that what happened to you? Uh, I don't go to basketball very often, but I, I do know what you're talking I about. I to say. Every time. There's at least one little ice chip embedded in my ice cream. Huh. But I, I huh. don't go there very much. Probably because there's ice <laughs> chips embedded in your yeah. ice cream. Yeah. yeah. All right, go so on. So have y'all ever heard of the board game Husker Du? Husker Du. Husker Du. <laughs> no. No, you haven't? I've heard of it. I've never heard of that. Oh, okay. Well, eventually there's a rock band named after him. I know, doesn't it? Yeah, there's this old game called... I can't believe no one else. I used to have this board game in the house. (laughs) But I don't ever remember playing it. Your family also likes to keep things for a really long time. This wasn't that old. But anyway, so (laughs) this is a... (laughs) 
well, what? I don't know what you're supposed to be meaning there. But anyway, so this game, this is back in the 1970s. There's this TV ad for this game. And during the ad, there are full frames where it flashes, get it. <laughs> it just flashes the words, get it on the screen. And they, they got their hands slapped. And that's when it was determined. You can't use subliminal messaging in your <laughs> advertising for kids. Uh, the kiddos. Every I think. Er, well, I would say everyone knows this, but I didn't know it till like a month ago. The Amazon logo. It's, it's a. It's just kind of a cool oh, design. Yeah. It's just kind yeah, of a cool design. I, I know that one. What's, yeah. What's yeah. So there's an arrow going from A to Z, saying they offer. You know, kind of meaning that they offer everything from A to Z, and it also looks like a smiley face. Okay, I see it. I yeah, see yeah. it. I guess that's pretty interesting. I mean, I that's kind of like a clever design. But then again, it's subliminal because I never picked up on it. I didn't pick up until you just Weird. made me look at it on my phone. Here's a, here's a really subliminal one. Have y'all ever seen? Y'all probably won't remember. There's a magazine called SFX magazine. Special effects magazine. Yeah, yeah special effects magazine. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Well, on most of their, not most, but I would say yeah, I'd say most because well, I was looking through a whole bunch of old covers. And about ninety percent of them, someone's head is blocking the bottom of the F. Making it uh, look like see, sex I, magazine. Yeah, I can tell you hands down. I know that one because I remember passing through magazine sections and being like, "Whoa, what's this porn doing out in the?" And then you look at it and it's like, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> James was so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, and apparently they've come under fire for it seeming like whenever there's a woman on the cover, their head is almost always blocking the F. Hmm. So it looks like that, and I, that's pretty great subliminal advertising, I think. Like because you're tricking people. It's deceptive. It, it, it's, it, it happens with the guys a lot too. It's not just the women. So I'm not sure, you know, the ratio of it all. But hmm. I, you know, I saw that. I was like, that would catch my attention when I was walking by. It caught James's. Yeah. <laughs> it sure did. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm a, a subscriber to FX SFX magazine now. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, and then we've got Tostitos. Alex showed me this one. Tostitos has been uh, it's doing this to us. Very clever. Have you ever looked at the Tostitos logo, James? No, I don't really buy Tostitos because I don't eat packaging peanuts. Mm. Bump, bump, stick burn. Rude, James. Hey, James, look yeah. it up really quickly. Okay, so for those okay. of you that aren't looking things up, the look at the... Second and third T in Tostitos, and then look at the I. It's two people sharing a bowl of salsa. Oh, yeah, that's just cute. Isn't that cute? (laughs) Isn't that awesome? I thought it was very cute. Yeah. And the last one is one that I had to have pointed out to me because I just could not find it. He couldn't. And that was one we James pointed out to me last week, but FedEx. Hmm. With the little arrow between the E and the X. Oh, yeah. Never in a million years would I have found that. It's adorable. I had to get, I had to find a picture of it highlighted. And I was like, oh. I I <laughs> noticed it because I have to go to FedEx a lot for work. And I remember looking because they've got like the big FedEx sign behind the front counter. And I was like, oh, it's an arrow. Yeah. It, you yeah. guys look all these up. They're actually really interesting little marketing yeah. things. But my, my favorite one is this one done by Marlboro. So, you know, ah, man, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's so been good. a lot of, a lot of restrictions for Marlboro advertising since, you know, everyone found out how awful it is for you. So they've had to keep finding ways to, I guess, go around, break the rule or not break the rules, but find loopholes. And 
eventually they res- <laughs> they had to create a barcode that they use for advertising. And this barcode was put on a F1 car. And it looks like a non-assuming barcode. It's a weird thing for someone to be putting on a car to advertise. But when the car went faster, the logo started to resemble the Marlboro. Oh, I see it. The Marlboro mm-hmm. cigarette <laughs> packaging. And <laughs> they got banned pretty quickly once people got onto that one. But yeah, <laughs> that that's probably my mm-hmm. favorite piece of like 100% subliminal advertising. <laughs> I just want to know like how people catch these things. So I saw I saw one subliminal message where a I think it was Coca-Cola, a artist at Coca-Cola had made all its promotional material and he had included uh, in an ice cube it looked like a woman was about to engage in an act with a man. And somebody <laughs> spotted it on the back of a truck, uh, like a Coca-Cola truck. And yep. said, hey, look at that. And then they had to recall all of this uh, promotional material. <laughs> and the artist did later admit that he had drawn it in really? yeah, on purpose. But it's like, you've got, you've really got to be paying attention to see a lot of these. Yeah. Or just have a dirty mind. Yeah. Maybe that's it. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Well, um, yeah. That's some very that's interesting it. information about subliminal messages and advertising yeah so i always thought mm. subliminal was sinister but it turns out some of them could be pretty fun actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um i think the advertisements are very interesting because i was gonna take my research in that direction but then i kind of pivoted you guys and i <laughs> started looking up the more sinister aspects of subliminal messaging specifically back masking which is where you play a sound clip backwards and it reveals some hidden message. So uh, I'm going to be talking about backmasking. I'm interested in this. Yeah, I got a lot of my information from a really great article on atlasobscura.com. And I got one from mm-hmm. How Stuff Works and an article by Rolling Stone, you guys. Are you ready to hear about backmasking? Let's go on that ride. Let's right. take it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... I'm going to start off by talking about the Judas Priest subliminal messaging trial. (laughs) James, do you know about this? Uh, Yes. I also like Judas Priest. He does like Judas Priest. He told me he likes uh, Breaking the Law song. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So before before I started researching this, I did not know this case because I am not like a heavy metal fan. It's not really my genre. But okay. So I'm going to take us back to 1985. We're in Nevada. It's December. It's cold. And these two young men, 18-year-old Raymond Belknap and 20-year-old James Vance, they were getting a little wild on this particular night. They were drinking and they were smoking weed and they were listening to Judas Priest's album, Stained Class. And while they were listening, they decided to make a suicide pact, which is no good. So they each ended up shooting themselves in the head with a shotgun. Belknap died instantly, but Vance survived uh, with serious injuries. Um, and he, he later succumbed to those injuries three years later. So not cool. Wow. Uh, yeah. So why did these two young men make this suicide pact? They point their fingers directly at Judas Priest, specifically a song called Better By You, Better Than Me, which is actually a song that's a cover of a song by Spooky Tooth. But Vance's parents <laughs> That's claimed... That's an awesome name. Spooky Tooth? Yeah. Spooky Tooth. <laughs> yeah. But Vance and his parents claim that the Judas Priest version had subliminal messages embedded throughout it. Like, the one that they talked about most was the phrase, do it. Mm. And then I, I read some places that it also said, try suicide and let's be dead. 
And you could hear them when the song was played backwards. So the Vances decided to sue Judas Priest and CBS Records for $6.2 million in damages, claiming that the song used backmasking or backwards masking to brainwash Vance and Belknap to convince themselves to commit suicide. Sounds uh, like blaming others for instead well, of the individual. Yeah, they, I mean, in my opinion, it's probably a lot easier for a parent to make sense of something like that if that were to happen by blaming Mm -hmm. a song. So, and at at this time, there was a lot of backmasking was at the forefront of a lot of people's minds because of some other things that were going on, which I'm going to go into here in a second. But they, when they were, when the trial was going on, uh, they played the song backwards in court, front, frontwards in court, all, all every which way. Sideways. To try, yeah, sideways to convince <laughs> everybody that these phrases were in there. And the band's lead singer, Rob Halford, testified in court in 1990. He said that the sound of the subliminal messages, quote unquote, were him exhaling when breathing. So that was what he claimed it was. And Judas <laughs> Priest attorneys, in turn, they pointed more toward what you were saying, Alex. You know, these boys had troubled childhoods and substance abuse problems. They were drinking. They were smoking. And so the band shouldn't be held liable for their individual actions. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's what the judge agreed with. The judge ruled mm. that Judas Priest was not responsible for the boys' deaths. Although I would, if it, all listeners, if you want to know more about this case, definitely look it up because the judge did have some things to say about everything. He was kind of, um, he said that the case was in nebulous territories, what I read. So, yeah, it wasn't like the, no, there's no way that these civil messages are in there. It was just he didn't think that the, hmm. yeah. That particular, yeah. I think I think if you think that that song actually led those guys to, to do that, then uh, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> Is that a Judas? Yeah. yeah another thing coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an urgent. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was a good one, James. I liked it. Thank I you. appreciate it. Well, <laughs> Again, I think that it's probably parents trying to make sense of something. But uh, <laughs> Alex, what are you? James's joke was so good. Alex is he's still <laughs> giggling about it. But uh, the thing that I stop and think is like there are people all around the world that listen to this specific song, and nobody else, you're uh, right? Yeah, yeah, ended up committing suicide because of the messages that were in the song. So as I said, there are other cases of backward masking that are kind of famous. This is one that's not as famous. And I'll be honest, I had trouble finding too many sources that pointed to it. They all pointed to this one website, umich.edu, and it looked a little homemade. <laughs> it was kind of like, it kind of took me back to my berkeley.edu uh, website from our Chupacabra episode. Huh. But it was all about subliminal messaging. And it said that the BBC used subliminal messaging in the 1920s oh. to kind of try and convince people that radio broadcasting was not a bad thing because at the time people thought that radio was like the it was the devil speaking to them and anytime anyone was talking to them through the radio it was the devil but i am truly baffled by that what yeah i'm confused what what did the bbc do that well apparently they inserted the phrase quote this is not a noose no really it's not into some jingle I tried to find the jingle, but I couldn't find it. Ah, uh, what is wrong with Britain? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Uh, no. I... Well, the thing that the thing that, and this is kind of what turned me on to like the more sinister aspect of. Um, this is the 1920s. This is the 1920s. It's too late. I. They're like that. The devil's speaking to me. Good lord, that's too late to be doing that. <laughs> 
But yeah, I started thinking, um, okay, why do so many people think that this like backward basking stuff is like the devil speaking to them? And that kind of got me looking into like fundamentalist Christian groups who kind of believed uh, and perpetuated this idea. Mm. And back in the 80s, especially during the satanic panic, there were lots of people who were like this, you know, these bands are putting these messages into their music that are supposed to steer youth away from God and, you know, all that is good in the world and lead them down a dark path. So uh. there was one um, one case in 1982, the California Assembly's Consumer Protection and Toxics Committee. That's a mouthful. They, uh, they tried to make a controversy <laughs> of backmasking and stir up legislation that would basically force rock groups to put a disclaimer on their music that says, hey, we use backmasking. Um, yeah, even though most of the musicians claimed that they were not using evil that's subliminal a, messages in their music. That's a lot of work. So they're so. making them ad- admit something that they're not, too. I mean, that's that's like uh, the flipping Salem witch trials. You yeah. know, prove you didn't fly across the moon on a broomstick last night. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I have a little bit of information about why so many people started to hear these messages in the music when played backwards. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but hmm. uh, one of the assembly men for this uh, California Assembly Consumer Protection and Toxics Committee. He he was named Philip Wyman, and he and a panel witness, William H. Yarrell II, they claimed that Led Zeppelin's song Stairway to Heaven actually was much uh, darker. I've heard that one, yeah. yeah say I mean, it, I've actually heard the song backwards. It does kind of sound like it, to be honest. Yeah, I say that he says, I sing because I live with Satan. The Lord turns me off. There's no escaping it. Here's to my sweet Satan. Yeah. End quote. Yeah, and James says that's what it sounds like. And Yarrell II, Yarrell, that name. <laughs> it's pretty horrible. Right? He, uh, it sounds like it should be backwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a backwards name. It's like Mr. Mixofix. Backwards would be Lore. <laughs> he was supposedly a neuroscientist, and he claimed that people who... Uh, listened to the song three times. They just had to listen to it three times before the backward messages were, quote, stored as truth in their brain. Ooh. So this, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like some hard science. This- yeah, like how in the world would you objectively make that kind of statement? My goodness. Well, this bill, they tried to get passed, and it eventually died. That's why we don't really have anything for it right now, but that's why you don't see the, the, disclaimer. the disclaimer on the front of your CD that says... <laughs> We've got a satanic message hidden in one of these songs. But uh, <laughs> it was legislative proposal AB3741 to be specific. And this actually did lead. There were more bills that tried to get passed for this exact same thing. And I think some of them did get through in certain states. But Oh, yeah. It was a, it was a crazy time, man. Yeah. Uh, video games, Dungeons and Dragons, comic books, heavy metal, the whole thing. It was, the church ladies were just nuts and you know a lot of people I'm, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox about it but a lot of people they blame expressly like fundamentalists and and uh, religious people and they tend to forget that some of the politicians who were at the top of that pyramid who were spearheading it were not pro- were not uh, they were progressive in nature uh alan tipper gore were really the people in charge of the whole committee uh sorry <laughs> no james that was a Interesting bit of information, but the uh, the the AB three seven four one it said that backmasking had the power to quote manipulate our behavior without our knowledge or consent and turn us into disciples of the antichrist. So interesting separation of sense. church and state, right there. But some other um, some other 
songs, famous songs that are said to have backmasking include Styx is Snowblind, Satan Moves Through Our Voices. That's what apparently it says. Uh, the Beatles <laughs> used it in a lot of their songs, obviously. I think that everyone's heard of that. Paul's Dead. I think that's the most famous phrase. Marilyn Manson's admitted to using backmasking, Pink Floyd. And Freddie Mercury's supposedly says, it's fun to smoke marijuana and another one bites the dust. If you play that backwards. <laughs> oh yeah. I've heard that one too. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I started looking into why do so many people think that these things say these things? Cause I tried to listen to these songs and find some of them. And some of them, you're right, James, some of them, it does sound a bit more obvious hmm. than others. But like when I was listening to the Judas Priest song backwards and Alex, he listened to it with me. Did you, I couldn't, I no. couldn't hear it no matter what no, I did. It was a stretch to, yeah say that i heard anything yeah in my opinion mm. but you also didn't know what you were supposed to be listening for exactly yeah all, all i saw on this exactly well i did see the words do it on your screen so i figured that was, <laughs> that was probably ones. it <laughs> well there was a study carried out by two psychologists john Vokey and j don reed at the university of lethbridge in the 80s and their scientific paper is titled subliminal messages between the devil and the media And they set up a number of experiments where they recorded things, played them backwards for participants, and then had them try to figure out what was being said. And without any priming, subjects couldn't really figure out what the hidden message was. But if the subject was primed with a phonologically plausible phrase, they then that's almost all they could hear. Hmm. So it's it's the audio equivalent of like you know, hey, doesn't the cloud look like a sardine? Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they came to the conclusion that it's possible to convince people that a message is there if it sounds plausible, which might explain why so many of these these people who believed in these evil subliminal messages were able to convince so many others that all this rock music was just wicked. The most com- evil. The most concerning part of all of it for me is who is spending their time listening to music backwards? That's what I like. And I will yeah. say, listening listening to this music backwards, it is very eerie. Like, oh, yeah. it's uh, so creepy. Oh, yeah. yeah, backwards things are, are freaky for whatever reason. You know, some people do it for fun. Uh, like Manson, Marilyn Manson, when he did it, it was literally to mock the that, that paranoia. And uh, Weird Al, he loves to throw innocuous phrases backwards in his albums to mock yeah. you know, the, the satanic panic. Yeah, there yeah. are a lot of people who ended up doing it. Like, And artistically, there are a lot of people who did it because they could get different sounds and kind of play with their music a little bit more. So a lot yeah. of them use them just for artistic purposes or to mock people. But Missy Elliott's uh, Work It, I think that's her song, yeah. which I love that song. But that's got yeah. some... James, you know what? Yeah. You don't you keep your opinions to yourself. I'm allowed to like what I like. But they uh actually like it too. Yeah, so. it's a good song. They um they use it in that song too. Interesting. But it's not telling you to, you know, do something bad. Telling you to work it. So anyways <laughs> What protection do we have against subliminal messages? I'm altering not. our thoughts and behaviors. Well, Subliminal messages or backtracking or whatever it's called. What's backmasking? Subli- subliminal messages, just in general. I just know you can't use them in children's ads. Are you? Mm. Yep. Yeah. See that? Right there? That's you scratching That's your me belly. Scratching my chest. Yeah, Alex is scratching his chest and it's picked Litchy. up on the microphone. Mm. Yeah, we bought. Alex bought me these beautiful flowers at the farmers market, but he's allergic to them. So. Uh, yeah. Mm. 
Very. Yeah, that's every time he touches it, his arm swells up. But anyways. But they're pretty. They're very pretty. <laughs> they're very pretty. But back to subliminal messages. Most countries actually have very strict laws on subliminal messages. They're not allowed. They're banned. But the United States of America doesn't have that strict of policies. It's not expressly forbid uh, using subliminal messages in advertising, but the FCC does say that it will revoke the broadcast license of any company that uses them in a broadcast because the technique is deceptive. And the FTC says that an advertiser will get in trouble if they use them, especially in a deceptive and intentionally deceptive was what I should say. So it's not... It's not illegal, but you'll be in trouble and you can't do what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it must affect commerce, which is why I think that it's so difficult for anybody to say, hey, you're not allowed to do that. You, you're affecting commerce. Like, how do you prove that? Yeah. yeah. How do you prove that? Valid point. So, anyways, that's just a little bit about the dark side of subliminal messages. What do you have, James? I've got a few things. Um to start off with, let's uh, let's go over something you may not think about. Well, first of all, let me ask you guys this: When you think of subliminal messages, what do you what comes to mind? Like, what do you what do you imagine subliminal messages? I think of the back masking, and I think of the second frame, like the what? millisecond frame. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. of the millisecond frame yeah. controlling me. Yeah. See, both both of those things that you mentioned: <laughs> one is uh, auditory, and one is visual. What people don't necessarily think about is smell. You know, I mean, it's it's a strange thing to consider, but memory and smell are most closely tied together. As I mentioned earlier, the recycled air aroma makes me think about the dentist and makes me think about my childhood and at the dentist, and I get scared. Well, similarly, um, smells have an astonishing use as a subliminal means of of social engineering and influencing people to such a point that now we are living in a period where some smells are actually being uh, trademarked. You can't patent a smell, but you can trademark one. Hmm. And the most uh, notable example of this would be Verizon. Verizon has actually trademarked the aroma of their stores. Are you serious? And yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. They, they, they filed it in uh, 2014 or actually before that, and it became official in 2014. And the reason for this is you go in there, and there's a very unique, like, Fragrance. ozone and flowers. Yeah, and exactly. And to me, it kind smells smell. like hot electronics, like a, like a <laughs> well, yeah, That's what I mean. <laughs> that's what yeah. I mean when I say ozone. There's an ozone quality yeah. to it. Yeah. Like, like after a thunderstorm. Well, the fact that I know what you're talking about says, okay, that you're right. Verizon does have a exactly. very distinct smell. And and that just goes to show you that it, it apparently has an effect on people. It makes people want to purchase certain things. Um, the weirdest smell trademark that I've seen, though, would be uh, fuel fragrances by Manhattan Oil. <laughs> These are uh, lubricants for your car that can smell like strawberries, cherries, or grapes. I think that's the weirdest thing in the world. I, I can't imagine there being an advantage in that, but... Hmm. An interesting study, and this is where I'm going with the the smell aspect, is that uh, it can affect how you perceive other people, and it it really makes sense if you think about the fact that we we've, we've actively used uh, perfumes and colognes for literally thousands of years. I mean, the Egyptians used them uh, it, in a really disgusting way, like. 
5,000 years ago. You guys know about that, about the Egyptian perfume? No. Okay, this is fascinating. The Arabs, they they invented uh, distillation to make perfume. Like, literally the first use of, of ethanol, like like distilling alcohol into potent, like, 100-proof amounts, was not to get drunk. It was to make perfumes. But they didn't have that 5,000 years ago. So, oh, man, it's so weird. If you were an Egyptian and you went to, like, a party or whatever... And you didn't want to smell like B.O. because you were dancing all night in flipping Egypt where it's quite hot. What you did, I'm not kidding, is you would take uh, like rose water or, or flower essential oil kind of stuff. And you would mix it with fat and you would you would put it on your head, this fat, this grease. And as you sweat it and heat it up, that fat would melt and it would release those uh, aromatic compounds. So, how, I mean, by the end of the night, wow. you're just covered in grease that smells like <laughs> flowers <laughs> but, uh, but uh, some interesting studies done by several universities have shown that there are subliminal scent con- uh, messages in other words when i say subliminal i mean you are not conscious of them you you don't actually smell it the way you would you know smell vanilla or or cinnamon and you you perceive it and think oh i am smelling that you're completely unaware of the aroma it's undetectable on a conscious level but uh for example, people who have been exposed to citrus aromas Ugh. tend to be, well, I'm talking about indetectable. So you wouldn't even know. You're not even aware. You don't smell citrus, but there's an amount in the air that is imperceivable to you on a conscious level. But people who have been exposed to that are more giving. So hmm. you, you you walk past the, uh, you know, that little ringing bell Salvation Army. Let's say they've pumped the air in that area full of uh, citrus oil. Not enough for you to notice. Enough for you to give more money, though. Hmm. And another, yeah, right? Another interesting example was imperceptible floral aromas are often associated with, you know, with women uh, on, an, on a hmm. sexual level. So putting uh, that kind of aroma in places where women's goods are sold, like lingerie, increases sales. But the most interesting uh, of all these, uh, and it was a university study, is that covering the smell of uh, human sweat to a degree where you're still perceiving human sweat, but you're also, or not perceiving, but it's still present in the air, but it's in equal parts with a, uh, a floral compound, causes you to actually trust and like someone more. Now, that one I think is the most interesting in terms of hmm. like social engineering, because you could use that for political rallies. You could use that for uh, any any means of indoctrinating someone to appreciate someone more. A corporate overlord, <laughs> an oligarch, uh, maybe maybe your boss. What was that smell again, James? Let me write that down real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so yeah, that's that's all I'm covering on the smell end of things. I'm also going to be reading a CIA released radio report, which. I was shocked by this. This is a uh, a declassified radio uh, report. All right, so it's for the public affairs staff. The program is two for the road. The station is W H W M A L. Sorry, uh, the date is August fifteenth, nineteen eighty two. The city is Washington D C. And the subject: subliminal messages. Okay, Chris Core. This is from the Wall Street Journal today, but I think it's something well you'll appreciate it here. A Lovelorn student, a California chiropractor, and hundreds of others pay nearly $1 a sheet for plain white stationery. They say they're not. They say they are buying super paper, which, according to its marketers, 
is faintly printed with words like buy, pay, and yes. And the sellers say that these are subliminal messages and that they seem invisible at first glance, but they work on the reader's subconscious. No, isn't that freaky? <laughs> I don't know what's more freaky, that Selling or buttons. that your reading voice sounds a lot like Richard Nixon to... Uh... <laughs> oh my God, does it? <laughs> Just, oh barely. Just barely. Just barely. Now... <laughs> now, selling by mail, two marketers have grossed $66,000 from 1910 super paper orders since January. By the way, that's not a, uh, a date. That's just the weird name for this super paper. A 10-sheet pack of this special paper with the subliminal messages on it costs $9.95. That's almost a dollar a sheet. Real Ooh. enthusiasts can get it a little cheaper. They can get 100 sheets for $89.95. Can you imagine paying a dollar for a sheet of paper? Wow. I mean, I did when I was in college. Even back then, though. Yeah. 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 Derek Best, a Daytona Beach, Florida freelance writer, and his partner Robert Ferner, a guitar maker and carpenter, say they hit on the idea sitting around the pool one day and thumbing through books on subliminal advertising. And customers include a Louisiana State University student who's trying to keep his girlfriend's affections. <laughs> I, so yeah, this this poor fella, he he apparently writes letters to his girlfriend with the yes paper, the imperceivable like is barely you can't really see it. Yes is printed on the paper. She'll never I mean, know I, why I, she accepted his marriage proposal. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, I'll, I'll stop reading the letter at that point because the rest is just Cora and Trumbull sort of talking about how they hope it works and they're. They, they they try their own hand at it by whispering "send Trumbull and core money" over and over again <laughs> on their uh, their little radio show. But yeah, it's just it's super crazy. And I, I'm covering sort of four things. There's that. There's the smells. This is one that I think is very interesting and a little scary. And you talked about it earlier, uh, CC. Uh, Britain is freaky about a lot of weird things. Like to a point where I'm just baffled. It's like what dimension are they in at this point? The whole idea of subliminal messages is that you don't notice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting because we tend to think of it in terms of it being targeted towards a general audience to not notice something and then act on it. Right. Well, it, there could be another explanation for some messages. And I'm, I'm just going to read you guys four little screens that, that lasted a, a fraction of a second on Comedy Central in Britain. Okay. 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 Uh, again, these were things that people caught on their DVRs. They would they'd be watching a show and they're like, "Whoa, what was that?" And then they'd slow it down and they'd go back and they'd see just these little flashes, and it would just be these big paragraphs. So I'm going to read all four of them, okay. and we're going to see what you think. Okay, it's tough, tough being high lit, being a dictator these days. You've always got to keep up appearances. But which look do you go for? The billowing white caftan with the fancy uh, hat? What if the people revolt? Difficult to escape in that costume. There's always the military uniform and the beret and the medals. You've awarded yourself for large-scale something. I can't even read what that is. I think it says murder in all... It's it's high-lit as well. Some of these words are high-lit. A bit camp, though. One thing for sure, any half-decent dictator wears sunglasses. Or, if you're really special, get someone else to dress up for your public, also high-lit, outings. Then you can sit at home. In your pants, eating a massive sandwich. No, that's job satisfaction, also highlight. So the words highlight in this paragraph are tough, military, murder, public, and satisfaction. 
what the heck? I mean, what are they advertising? It doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't make anything. any sense at all. And why yeah. on Comedy Central? Exactly. Now here's another one. Um, I, I do. I do think he was right. A dictator does need a good pair of sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, absolutely agree with you on that. <laughs> Aviators. Yeah. Yes. So here's here's a here's another one. Okay. So Charlie's out. Ashton Highlight is in. What do we think about this? Is he up to the challenge? More importantly. Does he have tiger blood? Remember, guys, remember that? Blood yeah. in this case is uh, Hylet. And Adonis DNA? Demi Moore thinks so. And she tamed the bloke from Die Hard. We're just glad he's not playing the same part. That would just be weird. But he is a good-looking chap, and he does have all his own teeth. He also started out on TV comedy when he did that show set in the 70s. Can't remember the name. Well... Now he's off to Malibu, and we wish him all the luck in the world, but at a reported something per episode, now Ashton's the one who's winning. The reason why it's hard to read these is they're blurry because they're such a a small fraction of a second. Uh, In this case, Ashton, blood, uh, that weird word that I'm having trouble. Oh, it says, uh, now I know what it says. It says $700,000 and winning. So clearly this is about, uh, what's, uh, what's that fella? Yeah, but Ashton the actor, Kutcher. Charlie, Charlie well, Sheen. Ashton Kutcher, Charlie Sheen. And, Charlie yeah. Sheen. Now, why though? Is Ashton Blood seven hundred thousand and winning high lit? And I mean, it's it's just gibberish. It makes sense, but why would they show this for a half of a second? There are only three possibilities I can think of, but I'd like to ask what you guys think. I have literally no. Like the only thing that I'm thinking is it's something that people would talk about. Because if they just a, play it for yeah. like a second, the way that I understand subliminal messages work is that there's a certain threshold where people will notice things and uh-huh. only a certain amount of people, this is like above the threshold where they would see it. But yeah, we'll see again, these were only caught thanks to DVR. Yeah. Nothing else. Why? It's something for people to talk about. That's literally the only thing I can think of. Drummond yeah, it, okay. it's that or, you know, this is something I would see like, Adult Swim doing at night, but yeah, I don't I see them doing it. But I wouldn't see them doing it with paragraphs. No. I'd see them doing it with like you know three words or something. Yeah, it's it, it's odd. I don't. What are you? What's your theory? Yeah, I want to hear your uh, theories. There's, there's there's three possibilities. One, it's literally just like an in joke among the people at Comedy Central. It's literally like, hey, hey, I put like remember what we were talking about the water cooler. I, I put it uh, for half a second. I can see that. <laughs> The other possibility is that it is actually subliminal, and there's a reason why they're putting these these words highlight. Uh, there's again, there's four to five words highlight per one of these paragraphs, and they are all nonsense, and they don't really make sense. But if they were like triggers for people, so when they heard those words or, or you know responded to them, there, there might be an effect. This is what I think might be the case, though, and this is what people don't think about, and this is why I, I was talking earlier about how subliminal messages we normally think that there's something you're not supposed to notice what if they're for certain people to notice so what if because the radios used to do this during uh, world war ii for example it was secret codes these are yeah what if these are codes for very specific people so let's say someone is a uh i don't know a spy for another country and they're stationed in the uk and they're watching the uk a channel that they've been told to keep an eye on to monitor. They see the flash. They use their DVR to go back. They pause it. 
They read it. It's nonsense, but they have the cipher. So then they translate it and boom, now they have the information that they need. Maybe they're supposed to go to, you know, one of Britain's nuclear power plants and take photographs and mail it to Pakistan or whatever. Something on par with that. I think Mm -hmm. that espionage, using subliminal messages as a means to conduct espionage, is both brilliant, something that there is a precedent for, and something that we might be seeing on Britain's Comedy Central. Whoa. Mind blown. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If I I did see that, if I was one of the person who, like, if I didn't have, like, a cipher or anything and it meant nothing to me, I'd just be angry if I saw that. Be like, what is yeah, what is yeah. the point? And then I'd want to Agreed. know what is it? Like seriously, what is it? Yeah, and we we know that it does affect people. Uh, one of the most funny examples that I, I can think of of uh, subliminal messages having an influence on people is a liquor store did an experiment. This is a little bit of a one shot, kind of unrelated, but a liquor store did an experiment where they, uh, you know, well, well, let, let me ask you guys this. I know that neither of you are particularly uh, big on the whole drinking game, but if you were to go to a liquor store and you were to buy a bottle of wine, what country of origin would you be inclined to buy from? <laughs> France. France or oh, Italy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, France or Italy. Those are the two countries that people associate. And then, of course, in America, people might buy some from America because they tend to be cheaper. Do you, so you don't really think about German wines, probably. No. Probably right. not like, you know, oh, man, I could really go for some German wine. No. Germany well, is beer. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Well, this liquor store noticed that disparity, and they wanted to move some of their German wines. So they thought, well, let's try something. So they did. They uh, played German music <laughs> on the radio, you know? <laughs> so people would walk in, and instead of hearing, you know, elevator music or whatever, they would hear flipping 99 buff balloons or whatever. And sure enough, those days that they decided to play it, German wine outsold every other wine. That would be a fun so little experiment to, to do. Right? <laughs> so it absolutely does work. And I'm just kind of going to finish on a lighter note because, you know, when it comes to mind control and CIA stuff, most of the stuff I found, truthfully, not very convincing. Like there's so many easier ways to control people, of which we've covered plenty of them, actually. Yes. <laughs> than, uh, than subliminal messages. They're just not as effective. I'm not saying that the government never uses them. I'm just saying they're, you know, using fear tactics, uh, using hormones, using uh, drugs, plants. Yeah, using drugs, using plants and shills. Those are all very effective. And those are things that we know and things that we observe. Subliminal messages, not so much. They're not that uh, useful. But there is one fun thing that I've noticed, and I we have no idea how effective it is, but... What's the big, most popular thing the past few years that we've seen in terms of social movements has been self-improvement. Mm-hmm. Turns out a lot of money is going into subliminal self-improvement. I so it's kind of like how this. hypnosis works. Oh, yep. really? People get mesmerized. Yeah. You, you buy tapes and you start to go to sleep and you play these weird audios of, you know, you should study harder. You know, things like that. And then presumably you start becoming, you know, more studious or more self-confident or well, according, you're not smoking, etc. According huh? to Jarl, it just takes three times before it <laughs> oh, right. becomes true. <laughs> oh, man. Jarl and his creepy pseudoscience. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, there are even, no joke, there are even subliminal CDs for sale to make uh, PMS less unpleasant 
So PMS just, less the fact um, that yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. you're not cramping. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's fine. You're not craving chocolate. You're fine. Go take a mug. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Super weird. There's even some to improve your vision, which I think is I need a that. little bit out there. I need that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that pretty much covers it. It's it's a strange thing. Uh, I'm I'm personally, you know, again, I'm I'm very inclined to to buy into a lot of conspiracy theories, but subliminal messaging that's one of the ones where we know it does exist in some respects, but the more nefarious components are. There's just not a lot of evidence for it. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I kind of I like I know that it's there and it can affect the way that people. I guess people's behavior, but it's not as yeah. strong as I think that people give it credit for. Yeah. Well, I mean, case in point, look at Hong Kong right now. If uh, if subliminal messages worked, they wouldn't be deploying tanks right now. They would be they'd be blaring subtle messages in Hong Kong film and music. Hmm. <sighs> oh, no man. Interesting. Yeah, that was. I thought that this. Subject was a bit confusing at first, but the more I read into it, the more it's like, huh. And then the stuff that you talk about, James, that was that was very interesting, especially the, the smells, because it's so yeah. true that there are so many smells that I associate. Because isn't smell Does one it? of the strongest senses? Well, yeah, and it's, uh, well, one, it's actually, one of the you have a very weak sense, but it's tied to memory, exactly. Yeah. And that's really the only one that I can imagine a scenario where it could be used as a... Uh, for nefarious reasons, but by hmm. the government, which might be why my memory is not that great because I can't smell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that, that might be why I remember everything. I've got like a bloodhound nose. Hey, doesn't Disney pump the pump the smell into? Fresh the- I cookies. forgot to mention that. I was going to. Yeah, that's one of the things we covered is that they they use scents to control traffic and to control what people buy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they. Uh, I know that like real estate agents will. Make the house smell like fresh cookies to try to make people yeah associate it with cookies yeah yeah no I well this is I I know this is definitely not true but every time I go to Best Buy (laughs) they play the brown note there yeah (laughs) and I don't know if but if it happens to you James but it happens to me Alex every time we go to Best Buy we have to go to the bathroom and maybe it's maybe it's Uh, no can't say (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's the brown note. Which, James, do you know about the brown note? I do. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, oh, if you don't know what the brown note is, it's a frequency, like a, a sound frequency that just makes people have to use the bathroom. Yeah. Some people theorize that it was developed by the military to make their enemies poop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, truthfully, you know, that's that's the thing is there are a lot of subliminal weapons that the military's looked into, including, no joke, they've actually looked into smells, subliminal smells. That increase the likelihood of homosexuality. Uh, they, in other words, in other words, let's say you're a bunch of dudes in Afghanistan and you're in a foxhole and you're the enemy, and all of a sudden, you know, Lieutenant Commander whatever his face is is just looking real cute today. <laughs> like it's, it's, the whole point is to create uh, an uncomfortable scenario within a culture where that sort of thing is frowned upon, and as such, uh, damage morale. That's something they genuinely looked at. Now, I don't think it worked. (laughs) I was about to say, what the hell? No, that, okay. (laughs) Um, wow. All right. I don't know. I don't, I I don't know how to follow that. Mm. I think that I'm done. 
Yeah. Well, no, you're not done because we got to pick the next episode. Oh, yeah. We're not, well, you listeners, listen, we're not going to pick the next episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah, let me make, yeah. wait, let me, let me Special just, occasion. let me just check one thing really quickly. I want to make sure that my weeks aren't off. Okay. We need to show people the vase. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll post a picture of the vase on a, on yeah, see our right Instagram. Oh yeah. How mad Alex is still but about me owning right it. I am I'm mad. Uh, okay. So you guys. Instead of picking the the topic for next week's episode out of our beautiful vase, instead we have decided that we are just going to pick one in the spirit of the Storm Area 51 event. We are going to be talking about aliens. Again. Yes, again. We're going to be coming back with some more alien encounters. We're going to tell you about people who have seen aliens. You know, There should be some good stories. Yeah, I mean, We could probably... Is very excited I'm about excited. whatever story he has. Yeah, I say, I, I've got a mm-hmm. few from last time that he's, I he's got a little liked. file of alien encounter stories that I'm not allowed to look at. That uh, <laughs> that he's he's gonna yeah. discuss. You just them. think that's alien encounter files? Oh, Alex! What the- <laughs> oh my god! All right. Anyways, um, so <laughs> Alex is cackling over here. Let's let's wait for him to calm down for a second. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> it was good. That was good. <laughs> That was good. It was like James's. Uh, just move on. Just move on. All right. Um, so yeah, instead of picking, and we're gonna return to our vase, but we're gonna give you a little sound just because you know we know that that's what you're used to at the end of the episode. We're talking about aliens. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you guys. If you don't follow us on Instagram or Twitter yet, follow us because we're gonna be posting a picture of the beautiful vase. And uh, you can follow us at 13th Floor Podcast on Instagram or at 13th Floor Pod on Twitter. And we also just started up a Facebook page. Wink, wink. So follow us there, too. Alex, do you want to talk about our music, our wonderful music? Yeah. Our music is Signal by Grant Cook. You can find it on Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. Yes. Do you guys have anything else you want to add before we go to bed? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Yeah, I think I'm good. All right, you good. guys. Well, until next time, keep, keep it, it straight. Those are best one. I was about to say, oh. we hope you stay happy with us. speaking to me.